0: I've never come out to a Pink Floyd song, but it was the first time for everything. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's like hurry up and get done or you're excited I'm here. Uh, that, that song by Pink Floyd titled On Turning Away is about people who see the suffering of others but turn away. It's, uh, you know, it's their problem. And the song encourages at the end the listener to not just stand and stare, uh, but realize this is a world we all share. And one of the things that I love about God and His grace is that instead of turning away, He turns toward us. Uh, 2,000 years ago, He set uh, the ultimate example of turning toward us by sending His Son to walk in our shoes and die for our sins. And as we've been going through the series on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we've been looking at the life of Daniel. And if there's one guy uh, who had a right to turn away, it was him taken into captivity by the Babylonians. He could have prayed that uh, God would judge them and punish them, but he didn't. He surrendered to God's direction and turned towards the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, as God led him because God always has the bigger picture in mind. I just want to pause there for a moment and, and let that sink in. God always has the bigger picture in mind. Sometimes you don't understand why things are going on the way they are in your life because God's always got the bigger picture in mind. And today, we're going to be looking at the same story that we looked at last week, but from a different angle. Uh, Last week was about the pride of King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, but this week we're going to look at the before and after and how it applies to our life. Uh, Before the king walked on his roof of the palace and declared, "Uh, look what I have done by my own power and by my own glory, God sent Daniel to warn him a year before. And here's what he said in Daniel 4.27, King Nebuchadnezzar, please accept my advice. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. God uses Daniel for this teachable moment because God's first step is to get our attention through teaching and instruction. But if we won't listen, he'll get our attention like he did with the king during pain. Uh, To help us understand this picture of before and after, what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to kind of divide the audience here. If you're in the middle, you can decide which side you're on. But on this side, my left, your right, you're going to be the before side. Okay, and when I point at you, you're going to say, great idea. We'll practice in a second. Don't get excited, all right? And this side, right over here, my right, your left, when I point at you, you'll say, grr, like you're frustrated, like, grr. You ever done that? Okay. So we're going to practice. Okay, we need some help. Um, I like saying "grrr" a lot better, too, don't you? Yeah, we're going to try it one more time. You're going to win because there's more people over here. All right, and... All right, now don't say it when I don't point because it could be disrupt my flow if uh, jesus said "grrr," Okay, don't do that. All right, so let's pray Father, i'm so thankful that we get a look at your word today and apply it to our lives I pray the holy spirit would be here right now Speaking to our hearts and minds help us to take your word in and be changed in your name. We pray. Amen So When I went to college and I got into my classes the professors handed out uh, a syllabus and maybe they had a syllabus in high school, I don't remember. But these things were so great because basically from September to December it told you all the classes you were going to have, the chapters you needed to read, uh, the quizzes you were going to take, the, the tests you were going to take. I was like, man, this is, this is awesome. This is really a Wow, you guys are, we got to work. All right. And so uh, we'll get there. Don't worry, we'll get there. I thought This is a great idea. And so I would uh, plan ahead, and, and I'd study, and I'd do the work. And, and I, was, I was decent in college. I had a 3.4 GPA, which is a B-plus uh, average. My oldest son, uh, Jamie, who takes honors classes at the high school, his GPA is like 4.7. It's like above the 4.0. He's not even human. He's like a robot in a, in a human frame. I don't even know how he does it. Uh, but sometimes I wouldn't pay attention, and I'd have to stay up late and study. That produced that feeling of, how many of you have ever had that school? You've had that feeling of, oh, man, it's late night, and I've got to say, yeah. So I was there, and uh, I remember I went to SIUE, and I got my degree in communications, and then I went to North Central Bible College to get a second degree in ministry, and one of my favorite teachers there was uh, Dr. Gordon Anderson. He's the president of the college now, and he was doing a class on church history, uh, which sounds kind of boring, but he was an excellent teacher, so it was great to the beginning of the... Uh, Class, he said, now, we're going to be studying seven different themes over this whole semester. I need to learn these themes because they'll come up in the finals. And I was like, okay, that's fine. And so I was there taking notes and and going to class. And the first three tests came, and multiple choice, true-false questions. I love multiple choice and true-false. How many of you are really good at the multiple choice, true-false? Yes, I love those because I can study and learn it. The worst is when the teacher says, and now it's time for an essay. I'm like, no, not the essay. My wife is a really good writer. She can write 10 pages in her sleep and get an A+. Uh, I'm a speaker, not a writer, so it was always hard. And so I, I take the test, and I do really well. And about a week before uh, the final, he says, okay, the final's coming up. Uh, we have these seven themes we've been studying. When you show up on the final day, uh, you have to, I'm going to pick three of the seven themes. I'm not going to tell you which three beforehand. You just have to be ready for all seven themes. And, and then we're going to take the test. When I, I thought, yes, I was frustrated. And so that was my first all-nighter. I had done some late-nighters, but I'd never done an all-nighter. And so I got together with some folks to study who were in the class, and I got the two huge two liters of Mountain Dew. I was going to be caffeinated all night long. And uh, from 10 p.m. to 5 a.m., we studied all these different themes. And at like 5.30, I was like, i got to take a shower to wake up. I didn't even turn the lights on. I just like kind of stumbled in the shower. I get to the class and uh, he gives us the themes and I start writing. I do my best and turn it in and the grades come back a few later and I got a big fat F. Wow! But because of my three A's before on the, the multiple choice test, I got a B be in the class. I was like, I gotta be, I gotta be. This is called dancing, okay? Well, that's my style of dancing. A lot of the teens are like, don't do that ever again. Some, they'll take out their smartphones like, keep on dancing, we can post this, you know? So uh, I was excited, but, but I didn't uh, listen to the advice of my teacher like I should have. Maybe uh, you have found at times in your life where you didn't listen to the advice as well. Uh, you can remember your parents saying, uh, don't hang out uh, with those troublemakers, huh? Some of you in this room are like, I was the troublemaker, you know? Yeah, <laughs> You have to raise your hand. I <laughs> say, so, yeah, don't have to be proud of it, okay? Um... Some of you, your parents are like, don't try to fix it yourself. Uh, When my daughter comes to me and says, dad, I need duct tape, glue, and scissors, I'm like, what are we doing? Okay, because I get scared about that. Some of you wives have told your husbands, don't try to fix it, call the professional. They're like, no, 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 we can save money. You know how this goes. Then they start fixing it, and they break something else, and they call the professional, like, I need you to come fix what I broke and then what was actually broken. You've been there before. Yeah, so, you know, don't try to fix it yourself. Or maybe you've heard the, uh, you know, don't, don't gossip and you get caught up in the gossip and the next thing someone's calling you on the carpet um, and later on you realize you should have listened to your parents or husbands should have listened to your wives. Uh, God wants us to listen to him and his advice and direction for our lives because his way is better and safer and awesomer. I know awesomer is not a word, but if you saw the Lego movie this spring, everything is awesome. Um, a few of you will get that. There are three main ways where, as followers of Christ, we open ourselves to God's instruction. Uh, We have to plug in, power up, and press on. If you're taking notes, we have to plug in, power up, and press on. Now, I own a PlayStation 3. Uh, Yes, I do. I'm very proud of my PlayStation 3. And uh, right out of the box, it looked cool, and it was all shiny. But none of that really mattered until I plugged it in. Nothing happened until I did that. In the same way, for God to direct us, we must be plugged in. And one of the ways we get plugged in is to God's word. And being plugged into God's word is a? Very good. And when you don't plug into God's word, it can lead to? There you go. God's word is our source. Here's what it says in uh, Psalm 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Now think about that for a moment, that to be able to Go forward in life. We have to have His Word lighting our path because it's dark. The psalmist continues in Psalm one nineteen nine. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to Your Word? So the question I have for you this morning is: Are you taking time each day to be in God's Word? Now I encourage students to pick a book of the Bible, uh, normally a short one, and read through it several times. Let me explain. The Book of Ephesians has six chapters to read two to four chapters every day. So, you know, by two is three chapters. So let's say you read Ephesians 1 through 3 today when you go home. I'd encourage you to read Ephesians 1 through 3 all week long for the next seven days. Get God's Word in you. Become familiar with that. At the end of the week, read Ephesians 4 through 6. It takes you two weeks to get through Ephesians, but you really get to know God's Word. If you come to a big book like the book of Matthew, which is 28 chapters, you can break it down. Read four chapters at a time, A week at a time, it'd take you seven weeks to get through the book of Matthew, but you really get to know God's Word, and you get it in you. Uh, When I was at uh, camp a couple weeks ago, and the preacher was talking to the students, um, it was so exciting, it was just great preaching, but he had this this statement that really caught my attention. He said to the students, says, You know, some of you have your favorite movies, and you have memorized the lines and can quote the lines from your favorite movies. You've got your your favorite songs, and you've memorized some of the lines, you can quote those lines. Do you know God's word? Have you memorized that? Can, can you quote God's word? And, uh, man, that, that just, that hit me uh, so much because I realized that uh, I do that. I, I can't memorize music at all. I'm ho- music and me are like oil and water. Very bad. But with movies, I, you know, I've got my, my favorite lines. Uh, Lord of the Rings, Gandalf's on the, the bridge. He's got the stab, and he's like, you shall not pass. Okay, it was kind of like that. And then the light emanates out. And I was like, whoa, that's awesome. I need that for youth group. You shall not talk. That'd be great, you know. But I don't do so, That's so much with God's word. It's like I, I need to take time to memorize God's word. And as you read God's word, have it here. You, you get it in here. One of my favorite is this, Philippians 1, 6. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the of Jesus. I share that. That you need to memorize the scripture because sometimes the enemy comes to me and says, Jeff, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it in this Christian walk. And what I do is I quote Philippians 1 6 to him. Whenever the enemy comes with his lies, he the word in you so you can quote God's word back to him. You quote the truth back to him and say, No, you're lying to me. Here's the truth of God's word. Here's what God has planned for me. Now, if the only time you're in God's word is Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., you know, this is what you're getting it. You're, you're missing it. I want you to think about it this way. Imagine if I said to you today, I want you to go out and have a big lunch after church. And some of you say, I'm going to do that. But I don't want you to eat again till next Sunday after church. You say, I can't go a whole week without eating. Oh, yes, you can, because spiritually, that's what some of you have been doing. Week after week after week. You don't spend any time in God's Word. This is the only time you really see His Word. And you wonder why your walk with Christ is so weak and anemic. Because you're not feeding yourself God's Word. See, so you, so you got to plug into God's Word. You also have to plug in by going to church. So, in Acts 4, 26, it says this. Every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, I know we don't meet every day. We meet once a week. But, but notice here that meeting together. Sharing a meal together was, was the standard. They just got together. They wanted to be together. The Christian faith is a community faith. Now, I understand each person has to make a decision to follow Christ individually. You must make that decision. Uh, but when that decision is made, uh, you're not called to go live like a hermit. You're called to be in community with one another. John, I'm sorry, Jesus said in John thirteen thirty five. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now here's a question. How can you love one another if you are separated from the body of Christ? You know, a a friend of mine about uh, four years ago, he started a church in the Alton area and he did some research about churches in the Alton area and he showed me that research and he said that there are 74 churches in the greater Alton area and then uh, how many more there are over in St. Louis. You know, for Christians, you need to find a church uh, to become a part of and if it's not this church, They need to keep looking for a church until you find one. Some people say, well, I haven't really found the church, so I just kind of stay at home, and once in a while I catch the TV preacher, and and that's fine. It's not fine. It's not fine. The Christian faith is not a Lone Ranger faith. It's a community faith. You're supposed to come together with other believers. You can't show love to one another without being around each other. You can't learn patience and gentleness and humility like the Scripture talks about in Ephesians unless you're with other people. So you find a church once you pick the church you plug in you lock it in with your schedule and with your family then on sunday mornings we go to church you have 168 hours in a week and our service is a little over an hour and because we do our mid zone our kids and our adult service at the same time it's right over top of each other which means that coming here takes up less than one percent of your week now i'm going to talk about church attendance some of you fill up all right so you might because it's going to get real real for some of you. Here's what I'm talking to. If you're here inquiring this morning, if you've been coming once in a while, you're inquiring about church and your faith, I'm not talking to you. You just get to listen in. Maybe you work on Sundays and this is the Sunday you're not working and you're here. I'm not talking to you because when you're not working, you're here. You're plugged in. Maybe you've had some health issues and this is the one Sunday you could make it in a while because of health issues. I'm not talking to you. Here's who I'm talking to. One, you're a follower of Christ. You're not inquiring. You're a follower. Two, faith church home. Three, you don't work on Sundays. And four, you're in relatively good health, you can come to church every Sunday. Now that's most of you. That's most of you. Now for some of you though, you come to church on Sundays once or twice a month, every month for the last several years. We're not talking about you had a crazy month last month, it's been a crazy month every month for the last several years. And what you're saying by your behavior to God is this. Two or three weeks a month, God, consistently, I can't give you 1% of my week. I know, it's getting real real now. What does that say about your commitment to Christ? What does that say about your walk with Christ? Do you really think that Christ sets the bar so low that if we trip and fall, we fall over the bar? Because in Luke 9:23, he talks about, if you want to be my disciples, you have to deny yourself. And take up your cross daily and follow Him. The bar's up here, and we're called to join Him up here with the help of the Holy Spirit. Let me challenge you. Some of you have been swimming in the shallow end of Christian commitment for far too long. You, you've got the flotation devices, you've got the ring, you've got the little sun hat, and, and, and you're hanging out. Just in the shallow end. You've got the shallow end locked down. You're hanging around the steps. Once in a while, you you dip your toe in the deep end of Christian commitment. Go, whoa, and right back to the shallow end. And this morning, the Holy Spirit's tapping your heart. He's tapping your conscience. And he's saying, enough. Enough. Called to be a babe in Christ forever. You're called to step up and grow up and mature in your faith. To take off the flotation devices and get out into the deep end of Christian commitment. You're a disciple of Christ a disciple of Christ. Do that, part of that, is you commit to coming to church. Now some will say, well, now, you know, my kids got all kinds of activities, and so sometimes it's just hard to be on here Sundays because of my kids. Oh, now you're going to really want to buckle up. You're going to want to get that NASCAR seatbelt on. It's like the five-star, and a hat and a fire suit, okay? Here's, here's why. As a youth pastor for 20-plus years, I've seen so many students that are barely plugged into church barely plugged into youth group or don't go at all because of outside activities and i hear the parents you know i want my kid to be well-rounded the problem is they're well-rounded in everything except their faith they have no roots they have no depth they have no maturity when the storms of life come and they always come they're just blown away they don't have any depth there i've been in the shallow end of the pool sound familiar They turn 18 years old, and they go off to college, or they go wherever. The thing on their mind is, I need to plug into a church and be part of a body of believers. What happened when they turned five years old, and they started whatever outside activity, from five till 18, time and again, the parents would say, we won't be in church this week because of, we won't be at youth group because of, you can't go to Christian camp because of, and... 13 years of, we can't be in the house of God and with the people of God because of these outdoor activities, outside activities, and they learn them so well. They learn the lesson well, and they turn 18, and they fall away. So I want to encourage you, plug into God's Word. Plug into the church. Some of you Christian parents need to go to the coach and say, hey, Sundays isn't working, for my kid to be involved he says we got to be in the house of god and you might say well that won't matter to the coach then you might need to, you know my my child won't be here Ooh, that really torqued the coach off then the coach is torqued off are you saying that the coach's opinion is more important than your child's faith i told you it's gonna get real real here please tell me you're not saying that well, yeah but my child would be upset if they didn't get a play on sunday then your child is upset Christian parents, we have a serious responsibility to teach our children Christian values. And one of the values is we're in the house of God. I might get a clap. Yeah, but if my child doesn't show up on Sundays, they can't be on the team. I say then they're not on the team. Important. If you teach your child the following Christ doesn't require any sacrifice then they will eventually clu- conclude that christ isn't worth following i'm going to say it again because it's important if you teach your child that following christ doesn't require any sacrifice then they will eventually conclude that christ isn't worth following following Because anything in our life that has value requires sacrifice. You value your marriage? Sacrifice. You value your children? Sacrifice. You value your job? Sacrifice. You value the nice home and the nice lawn? Sacrifice. You value your faith? Sacrifice. And when it comes, how do I prioritize all those things? God gets first priority each and every time. Not the third Sunday of the month, not from 8 to noon on Mondays. Every time, 24-7, 365, God gets priority and everything else we value is submitted to him. Okay, all right. You're not throwing tomatoes. We're we're going good here. You can't take up your cross daily unless you're willing to make a sacrifice. Now, some of you are thinking, that's a... (laughs) I don't like this side of the audience right now. (laughs) The second way to put ourselves in a place for teaching is to power up. Uh, For those of you who don't play video games... Uh, there are times when you can uh, power up in the game you get a special ability or a special weapon and it really changes how the game is played uh you call up your friends you're like i got the power up weapon they call them. he got the power up weapon you're like i got the power up weapon this is not really more of a strut thing i don't know what this is okay let's not post this on facebook all right let's just i'll be friends here the way to power up at church in your faith is to connect at a deeper level with other believers in christ we plug in coming to church god's word we plug in, in a large setting but we power up in a smaller setting one of the ways that we do this is through our life groups um ecclesiastes 4 12 says this Though one may be overpowered two can defend themselves a cord of three strands is not quickly broken notice it doesn't take a lot of people three people coming together is, is a strong cord I want to share a little bit about our life groups. We have different types of life groups. Normally, our life groups are on between 4 and 12 people. Uh, some of our life groups are basically adults only. The, the kids have all grown. Maybe you're at that stage in your life. Say, well, my kids are grown up. Is there a life group for me? There is. Some of you at the stage of your life, well, I got little kids. We've, we've got life groups like that. I'm involved in one of those life groups. Right now, we've got a, a life group for women. It's uh, bad women of the Bible, doing a Bible study. Sounds kind of cool. Uh, so we got all kinds of different life groups. Maybe you're thinking there needs to be a life group for people who ride motorcycles. That's fine. Say, God's working on your heart, just come see me and we'll start that group up. We always need new groups starting up. If God's been tapping on your heart to be in a life group, to lead a life group, to, to host a life group, come talk to me. I love going to life group. Uh, my daughter loves going to life group. When, on Tuesday nights when we go and I say, hey, we're going to life group. She's like, yes. She loves to hang out with the kids, so it's a life group and my life uh you know we laugh together, uh study God's word together, pray together, talk about the frustrations of being a parent together one night, we almost cried together. The guys were tearing up, and the women in our group were like, "Man up," and we were like, "Real man, too, could you pass me the tissue and uh just laugh and laugh and laugh. I, I love it. Uh, one of the kids in, in, who's there, uh, he calls me. He, he says, hey, Julia's dad. You know you're getting old when you don't even have a name anymore. You're just the parent of a kid. He's like, hey, Julia's dad. And uh, sometimes, well, he'd be coming down the steps. We meet in the basement. It's this really nice house, finished basement. He'd be coming down the steps, and he stripped everything off. He's just walking around. And it reminds me of my boys were between the ages of two and six. I don't know what it is about boys in that age, but they, you, you know, they just strip everything down naked and well i'm free and they just run they just run you can have someone really important to your house and all of a sudden there goes your kid and they'll look at you like did i just see a naked kid riding by flash there he goes just so he'll come down and he's got this dinosaur dragon looking thing if you don't believe me hold on i have to go off stage and get it i brought it today Yeah, he doesn't have any little dinosaur dragon thing. This is a real deal. It's motorized and everything. So he's got this thing, and he'll be in his underwear, and I'll be in the middle of the group teaching. I think I'm going to share something really important. And he'll run up and be like, hey, Judy's dad, look at my dinosaur. Roar. I'm like, that's awesome. And I start laughing. And we all start laughing. It's just God's way to remind me of how precious children are. Last night, two of the groups got together had a swim party we had hamburgers and brats and potato salad and chips and it was great we had this awesome time you're thinking man well i'd love to have fun like that i want to be part of a life group like that come see me because we want you to get powered up in a life group if you're plugged into church power up through a life group a life group is a and if you miss it you're thinking there you go so we have to plug in, we have to and we have to press on. In video games, there are, difficult, there are difficulty levels. Uh, easy, normal, hard, heroic, and impossible. You play the impossible one one time, and you're like, uh, I, I can't beat that. Uh, so you play the level, and you begin to play. And some of the stages are really tough to get through, and so you only have one choice. You have to press on. You try different tactics and strategies until you win. You'll know someone who's done this when they're kind of staggering around like, I played for two days straight, I lost 10 pounds, but I won! Some of the kids are laughing, because they're like, Ben, there? Uh-huh. That's right. You just have to pray. Paul writes in Philippians 3.14, I press on towards a goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing this letter from prison. He went through incredible difficulties in in serving God. He's whipped and and beaten. He was literally shipwrecked, got bit by a snake, tortured. Uh, In one city, he was almost stoned to death. I mean, this guy went through everything. He suffered for Christ. He'd been there, done that, got the T-shirt. But he decided, with God's help, he was going to press on anyway. To keep yourself in a place where God can guide you, direct you, and teach you, you have to keep pressing on. Don't feel like reading your Bible today? Press on. Don't feel like praying? Press on. Don't feel like going to church? Press on. Don't feel like worshiping when you get to church? Press on. Don't like the preaching of the preacher today? Press on. There'll be a different one here next week, okay? Some of you are thinking... We're not going to you, okay <laughs> pressing on a decision and a commitment, not a feeling. However, King Nebuchadnezzar didn't listen to Daniel's warning. He didn't or power up or press on concerning his relationship with God. So God had to get his attention through pressure and pain. as soon as King Nebuchadnezzar got done bragging about all he had accomplished. The scripture says this in Daniel 4.33. That same hour the judgment was fulfilled and Nebuchadnezzar was driven from human society. He ate grass like a cow when he was drenched with the dew of heaven. He lived this way until his hair was as long as eagle's feathers and his nails were like bird's claws. God had to remove King Nebuchadnezzar from what he knew to refocus his heart and mind. It could only come through pressure and pain. Last year, I, I hurt my left shoulder, my rotator cuff, and it was really painful. And so I went to the doctor and got an MRI in January of this year. And he called me the next day. Your, your shoulder is really messed up. We're going to have to do surgery. And uh, so the next week, I got surgery. And, and for six weeks, I was in the sling thing. Some of you uh, remember that. And uh, I, I couldn't lay down and go to sleep. It was just too uncomfortable. I had to sleep sitting up, and I could never get a full night's sleep. And I remember after about four weeks of being in the sling... The Lego Movie came out, and my sons went to see it, and they were like, "Dad, this is a great movie. You got to go see it." So on my day off, I decided, "Hey, I'm gonna go to the movie and see it." So it's uh. You want me to change mics in the middle? Okay. Uh, no, I'm not trying to be. I'm. Is it is it really bothersome? Do I need to change mics? <laughs> Okay, I, I'm, cool. I'm not going to change mics. I think it'll interrupt the flow. So I apologize. They keep cutting out. Um, so anyway, um, so I go to the movie, and it's like 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm in, a, I'm in an auditorium seating like this, and the lights go dark, and you know what happens then. I fall asleep. I'm just, I finally, my body's like, hey, this is a good time to rest. And so, you know, my son's like, how was the movie? I'm like, I have no idea. It was, I, I don't know. I saw the beginning and the end, and a lot of stuff happened in the middle that, I don't know. So after about six weeks of being in this sling, I went to uh, the therapist. His name was He said, okay, we're going to start working on your shoulder, and he, he, I'm laying there on the table. He says, have you had anything like this before? And I said, well, I tore my ACL on my right knee about 10 years ago. He said, oh, the therapy on that is painful, but this shoulder therapy is going to be a lot worse. <laughs> I was like, well, thanks. So uh, he's got my left arm. And he says, it's here now. We're going we're gonna to start working it back. It's got to bend back to a 90-degree angle. And I, I'm kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. My first time in therapy, I'm like, bring it on. So he starts applying pressure. He gets about 25 degrees, and I let out a scream. Not the kind of pain like, ooh, that's a stinger. It was like, please! Ow! It was the kind of pain that if you were out in the therapy room waiting, the waiting room there, you would just left. I don't need therapy today. I heard that scream, I'm out. As a time he got down, I was breathing heavy. It's like I'd been to a marathon. It was the type of pain where I looked at Mike and said, i not invited to my next birthday party. It was that type of pain. And, and for the next eight weeks, he gave me all these exercises, and I'd, I'd see him twice a week, and, and just had to keep putting pressure and pain and do all these things. He said, Jeff, we have to get the attention of your shoulder, and we have to do it through pressure and pain so it'll be to full flexibility. So I'm going to relate this this way. For some of you, God's been trying to get your attention through teaching, but it hasn't been working. You wonder why your life is out of kilter, can't get on course. Can you advance ahead, please? Thank you. Um, God is trying to get your attention uh, through pain now. He has to get your attention that way. You can't seem to get in the flow in your life, and so he's, he's diverted tactics. It's like, I can't do it through teaching. I'll have to do it through, through pressure and pain. And what's interesting is my my therapist told me this. He said, some people don't finish their therapy. They don't want to work through the pain, and so they just settle. They learn to cope with limited mobility. Let me ask you a couple tough questions. Are you doing that in your spiritual life? Are you angry with God because things aren't going the way you think they should be going? So instead of surrendering to Him, you are limping along in limited spiritual mobility. Let me just pause here. Because maybe that's you. Maybe you're limping along in spiritual, limited spiritual mobility. Say, nah, I'm frustrated with God. This is as far as I go on my spiritual journey. But your limited spiritual mobility isn't just hurting you. It's hurting your loved ones. It's hurting your friends. It's hurting your coworkers. It affects people around you. I remember when I would... Uh, it's better now but when I would go to the drive-thru, the fast food place. On my van, the, uh, the window, the motor's broken, so it's up now. So when I pull up, I have to actually open the door. And I take out my debit card, and I have to go behind my back. And this movement used to be incredibly painful. So I would move towards the lady taking the card, and I'd get about right here, and there's a pained expression on my face already. And I'm looking at her like, this is as far as I go. If you want my debit card, you're going to have to go the rest of the way. And so, you know, she'd stretch, and she'd get it. And watch this, what's happened with some of you, because of your limited spiritual mobility, everyone around you is having to stretch. they got to stretch to work with you a little bit harder because you know, you're just stubborn. You're like King Nebuchadnezzar, I'm not moving from here. And they got to stretch and they got to stretch. And it's not that as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are supposed to stretch for people. But people are getting stretched thin because you refuse to deal with the pressure and pain in your life. God wants your attention because He loves you. He has a great plan for your life, but you have to be focused on him and follow his plan. Now that's a. And when you don't follow his plan, I like that. Good. So God got, Kinezer's attention, and here's what it says in Daniel four thirty four. After this time had passed, I Nebuchadnezzar looked up to heaven. My sanity returned, and I praised and worshipped the Most High, and honored the one who lives forever. As we close, I want you to notice three things here. First, time had passed. Many times we're just stubborn. Things don't happen quickly in our lives because we don't want to bend a knee. You can probably relate. You just dig in. This is how it's going to be for a while, God. So God's like, okay, we're going to have to keep going around and around until you decide to bend a knee. God has to break us down. Nebuchadnezzar breaks down after seven years. Took him a long time. And then he looks up to heaven. The focus changes. It goes from being on Him to being on God. Let me ask you another serious question. When was the last time you took your eyes off of you and your situation and looked up to heaven? I don't mean looked up to heaven in frustration. When was the last time you looked up and said, okay, I surrender? I surrender, God. I'm done fighting. I don't want to keep going around this mountain again and again. I, I surrender. Finally, that's he looked up. And the last thing is that he prays and worship the Most High God. Not only does he have a change of focus, he has a change of heart. In a moment, Pastor David is going to come out and direct us in communion. And maybe this morning you realize there are some areas in your life that you need to surrender to God. As you take the bread, you take the cup, I just ask that you would offer those areas up to him. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you love us so much that first and foremost you want to teach us through teachable moments. And I pray that you'll help us as a church and individuals to plug in, to power up, to press on. And if we find ourselves in a situation now, God, where uh, we haven't been listening to the advice, taking the counsel, we haven't put ourselves in those places for teachable moments and, and you've reverted to pressure and pain to get our attention. Help us to quit fighting, God. Help us to quit fighting and submit to you and surrender so we can our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.